0: Welcome to the Sword and Trial podcast. The Sword and Trial is a ministry of Founders Ministries, and Founders exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches.
1: I'm Tom Askell. And my name is Graham Gundon. You know, a question that's been kind of floating around the culture much recently is the question, what is... A woman, and certainly <laughs> we know the answer to that. But we uh, we're about to. I'm get not a in. biologist, so don't ask me. Right? No, I, I think you know. Yeah, I think you know. I do know. Actually, well, the sequel to that question is what is man, and we just happen to be having a conference. That's right. On that question, yeah, not but, not a man, but what is man, as in mankind. So that's a conference coming up January 19th through the 22nd. It's going to be a great conference down here in Southwest Florida in the middle of winter when everyone's dealing with <laughs> ice storms and snowstorms and blizzards and and whatnot. So Pastor Tom will be there speaking. Uh, Vodi Bachum will be there as well. Paul Washer will be there. Joel Beakey will be speaking. And then other speakers will be announced probably shortly as well. Um, so we'd love to have you come down and join us. Uh, space is filling up pretty quickly. So make sure you get on the founders.org website and register for that conference.
0: Yes, very good. And also, uh, let me mention that we have the Institute of Public Theology courses coming up in the summer with Tom Nettles on church history, Travis Allen teaching Introduction to New Testament. And we have uh, right now waived the application, application fee. fee. I've been Sorry. telling people the registration fee, and I just don't know the difference. I'm just the president of the thing. <laughs> but uh, we do have no application fee now. So if you'd like to apply for IOPT or just look it over, uh, either as an auditor or full-time student, we welcome you to go to instituteofpublictheology.org, and you can gain all the information you need there.
1: And what an opportunity to be able to take a class in church history with I know. It's incredible. Yeah, I think
0: he's the premier historical theologian among Baptists today. Mm And um, um, I'm just grateful for his investment in this enterprise. He's one of the founding faculty of the Institute. And so uh, it's a delight to be able to sit under his teaching. We want to thank our uh, Founders Alliance members and Church Alliance partners as well for helping us. You enable us to have podcasts like this and produce the materials that we do. If you want more Information about that, just go to founders.org and you can find out about it. Well, today, man, I'm excited to welcome to our podcast John and Cindy Raquette, all the way from Ohio. And John and Cindy are kind of somewhat old friends to me because years ago, I don't remember exactly when, you guys probably can help us remember that, uh, they would come down to Southwest Florida and while they were here for a few weeks, they would worship uh, with us at Grace. And so they befriended several members of the church. And I've just Kept up with them a little bit through their writings and their uh, dealings with parenting issues and children. And they recently, in the last year, published a book called Purposeful and Persistent Parenting, Blessing Others, Blue Tape Boundaries, and Other Practical Perspectives on Raising Children. So we want to talk to them today about this book and about parenting and about seeing children go through various stages of uh, growth as parents. and We try to give them a good launch. So John and Cindy, welcome to the Sword and Trial podcast. Thank, thank you.
2: Thank you
3: for having us.
0: Yeah, it's great. So how long ago was it uh, when you guys were coming down here fairly regularly?
2: It was probably about 20 years ago. Was it? Um, maybe a little bit less, but we have uh, Cindy's parents live down there. And so when we went to visit them, that's when we would come. And yeah, right. I got to feel like feel like we got to know your church fairly well, even with just once or twice a year visits. We yeah. were those occasional, you know,
0: people that pop in. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, we been haven't
3: been. They moved up here near us. We're
0: very thankful. So we haven't been down. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, we we have uh, enjoyed just learning more about you and, uh, again, reading this book. We recommend this book regularly in our church, especially to young parents or soon-to-be parents. And uh, it's it's my go-to book now for parenting. Mm -hmm. So I recommend it regularly to uh, anyone who's asking me parenting questions. We want to just ask you guys, uh, tell us a little bit about your family, first of all. And then tell us about the genesis of this book. I mean, what uh, what led you to say, okay, we ought to put this down in writing.
2: So uh, Cindy and I have been married for uh, 32 years. I think I got that right. Um, we have eight children. God has uh, incredibly blessed us that way. So we've had lots of opportunity to try lots of Parenting things that don't work very well,
0: <laughs>
2: over time, um, you know, feel like God taught us many things. I mean, Sandy, do you want to talk about the book?
3: We um, we're really blessed to have a lot of college students in our home and around our table on Sunday afternoons. Um, the way our church is located, there's a, a local university that we had a lot of students. Anyway, they were in our home when we were in the very active parenting years with Mm. children in high chairs and children taking naps. And um, they, as they grew, uh, 10 or 15, 20 years later, we started getting more and more questions. So how did you handle this? Or Mm. what do you do about that? And also, we had been in the Air Force and then moved around a lot. So some families that we knew from previous locations, we would get emails and about, what, eight years ago?
2: Found ourselves writing the same emails again and again. Yeah, <laughs> or
3: long texts about parenting issues. And John, who's more of a visionary, said, you know, honey, I think maybe we should just write this down in a really orderly, thoughtful way, and it will save a lot of time in the long run. <laughs> so I, I didn't think we had time to do that, but we have a tradition of going away for a, a weekend away together for about three nights, twice a year. And we just turned those weekends into um, writing sessions, which was really enjoyable. Yeah. Sitting on the couch, you work on this, I'll work on that. It was, it was really a, a good time to get it all formulated. And amazingly, it's done. Yeah.
0: Well, that's great. So this was a, uh, a time management uh, skill that was turned into a book. <laughs> yes. I like that. You know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, That kind of efficiency is always appreciated. Well, uh, tell us the ages of your kids right now.
2: So right now they are from ages 29 down through 14. I'm not going to try to get everyone on my (laughs) And what are all their birthdays? I think most (laughs) of the time. So so uh, we have four of them that are out of the house. Three are are married, Uh, two grandchildren. There's two that are currently attending Cedarville University and then two that are still home uh, in high school.
0: Okay. Well, very good. Well, I've got six kids and 15 grandkids, one on the way and uh I well, got, you got, I two, got two boys no grandkids yet no grandkids yet little, th- three, and one, right, yeah, three and one right so uh yeah so it's it's interesting to, th- to have this conversation with the different stages of life but one of the things for me as a dad that was most difficult in parenting was the transitional stages you know, to to know when to kind of shift gears and how you talk mm-hmm. and how you uh restrain how you instruct kids um Talk about that in terms of your own experience with your kids and thinking through biblical lenses about helping them transition well.
2: I mean, I think, you know, obviously our goal is in the end to send them out. And that's one of the things that we've kind of realized is that, you know, as parents, that's, that's our ultimate goal. So everything from when they're two or three-year-old all the way up to when they're eighteen, you know, the idea is let's send them out as best we can. We've realized they're certainly not finished products at the point that we send them out, yeah. but but still, that that's our role as parents. And I think that one of the things we learned is that um, a lot of times what tends to happen is as kid get as the children get older and maybe they they're starting to deal with more real things. That's the point at which parents sometimes start maybe clamping down and yeah. trying to train. And I think what we found is very helpful is actually to begin early with very direct, clear training, what's right, what's wrong, what does obedience look like You know, at very young ages.
3: How to respond in various situations, like children aren't just born knowing that. So having conversations on, in the car on your way to each event, okay, we're gonna be visiting the Smiths, mm-hmm. what's gonna be important to think about as we wanna honor them and be thankful for this opportunity what are some ways we could serve them and just helping rehearse in their minds, those kind of questions. Like, like John said, we're trying to work ourselves out of a job. We want, (laughs) they need to be asking those questions and thinking those thoughts on their own. Yeah.
2: But then as they get older, of course, it it goes from less kind of working on the external compliance and more towards what what's going on in the heart. And that leads to, you know, more conversation uh, and, and more like a coaching almost feel as they get older.
0: Yeah, did uh, did you find that uh, any of your kids really wanted to open up, like, after midnight? <laughs>
3: yeah. Yes. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's, that's you know, what they say is very true. Yes. You kind of need to keep your calendar open because <laughs> there, there's certain times where you get that communication, and that's, you got to run with it at that point.
0: Mm. Yeah, so, Graham, uh, strap in, brother. All right. uh, <laughs> they're already keeping me up at night, so, you know, I'm already preparing for that. <laughs> yeah. When, when you guys were, um, before you had kids and getting ready to have uh, maybe your first child, any particular fears that were in your mind or, uh, uncertainties that made you think, oh man, you know what are we getting into here? How are we going to do this?
3: I hadn't had many opportunities to babysit and the ones that I had had were mm, a bit traumatic. Mm. So <laughs> I, I had, um, I particularly was worried about parenting boys because I had had a very young two-year-old I babysat that I didn't feel adequate. Mm. Um, but I, I think the reality is that all children can be challenging, but um, boys and girls, I love them both.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that your book emphasizes that I find helpful is you've already articulated it being proactive rather than reactive. And thinking ahead and anticipating, and you know, I've—it's dawned on me years ago. I forget who it was that helped me, but we had so many people help us when we were young parents. Um, that, that Ephesians six four, you know, is—I mean, that's in the Bible. It's—it's—it's. It's, it's, I think everything the Bible has to say about parenting really is packed into that verse. That it's our job as parents to bring our children up. It's our job to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's our job not to exasperate them, or to lead them into sin. And just owning that, just kind of coming to terms with that. Say, so, okay, this is God's way. He didn't intend for the daycare or the school or the church or the Sunday school or aunts and uncles to do this job. He intended parents to do this job. And so owning it, then it just kind of settled into our minds. We better figure this out. You know, We better learn everything we can because it's our job. It's our responsibility. And so much of your book, it, it just it says that and then it, it operates on the basis – of that, like the, the blue tape chapter, you know, it's just so good. It's in the subtitle of your book about, uh, I think you make the statement in there that it's much easier to set boundaries at the beginning than it is to try to add new boundaries uh, later on. Would you just elaborate on that and, and even talk about that particular uh, tactic of using uh, blue painter's tape in your child <laughs> training?
2: Yeah, it was kind of, we didn't plan to do that, of course, like many of the other things that we learned in parenting, but, but what happened is we had a house at one point where um, there was a border between the kitchen and the living room area that was a, where the carpeting stopped. Mm -hmm. And previous to that point, we had gone around and spent days and childproof the home and put latches on everything and, you know, barriers and everything else, which, which makes some sense, you know, for, for safety reasons, but, but we, we realized that we could teach our daughter at the time. It wasn't too hard to teach her that she needs to stay on the carpet and not crawl into the kitchen. Cause that's kind of a dangerous situation.
3: And this was a, a crawling baby.
2: Yeah. Crawling right, baby. Wouldn't
3: it just be wonderful if we could just start really young and Convince her that the kitchen was not for her. Yeah. yeah. So there
2: was a clear line, and we thought, well, let's see if we can make other clear lines. We tried regular masking tape, and learned that's a really bad idea because <laughs> it sticks a lot. So to that a led carpet. us to carpet and everything <laughs> else. So that led us to the blue tape, which tends to be a little bit less sticky and is a little bit more visible, and and found it was just amazingly easy to kind of teach a very young child, this is this is your boundary, and and the funny thing is, is they they're fine with it. Like mm. we, as parents are the ones that get all concerned about, wow, that seems constraining, yeah. but a young two-year-old, that's just the, the world that they live in. And they're, they're fine with that boundary.
3: And not, it, not that they might not test to make sure yeah. you believe the boundary still exists, mm-hmm, but
2: mm-hmm.
3: in general, they, uh,
2: they don't, they kind of like, I think having clear constraints.
3: And the thing with blue tape is it's transferable. You can take blue tape to grandma's house
0: yeah.
2: Get <laughs> yeah.
3: a line. Yeah. Two feet from the bottom of the stairs, the stairs are not for you. And take it, pick the blue tape up when you leave, and uh, it doesn't really
0: impact uh, anything. Yeah, you know, that's so good because I'm in so many ways. I mean, life is all about boundaries. God right. has established yeah. this world and given right. us the lanes in which we are to operate in. And and uh, today we just see a world gone haywire because people don't respect what God has woven into creation about boundaries. And uh, this is this far, no further. So that's that's a great lesson to teach kids. I, I think that this was your phrase too in the book that, you know, better to house proof your child than child proof your house. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, then again, you can take them to grandma's or other places. So that was a, a wonderful practical lesson. Any particular challenge as you look back, and of course you're still in the throes of it, but you've, you've learned along the way, any particular challenge that, Uh, you can look back on and say, yeah, boy, that was a, that was a real stretching experience or we, we had to dig deep or wait on the Lord or cry out to the Lord for special grace to help with that. Anything that that jumps out to you?
2: I mean, I think one of the things that's a long-term challenge is just being consistent.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, you know, we can take a parenting class and we're all enthused about that. But then the real question is, what does it look like six months later? right? And so there is a sense that we kind of continually had to cycle back. And sometimes we come into the children and say, Hey, look, we we've really kind of been letting you down. We haven't been working with you on this, we kind of need to get this restarted. And it, it takes a certain humility to, to do that. And, uh, but I think, you know, that's helpful. And, and so that I feel like is one of the, the mm-hmm. tougher things. I mean, you know, every child had struggles at various times. Mm-hmm um and and you work through those and and uh but but i feel like consistency is the thing that's really hard at least for me
1: mm-hmm. yeah one Without thing kind of, you know as i'm in the in the thick of it with little very little ones is um there really is a fog of war there that's present. You know, when you're, when you're, when you're not the parent and you're the outside looking in, because this happens to me all the time, you see the problems, they're, they're clear as day. You know, the parent just needs to deal yes. with that. And, um, or, or after you, your kids are grown and you see it in other people. But when you're the parent and you're there in the situation, there really is a fog of, of war. And you're like, Is this the line? Have they crossed the line? I don't know if this is the line or not. Um, and so one of the helpful things for me and my wife in, in learning to be consistent is not only do you have to train your children, but you have to train yourself and you have Mm -hmm. to have those principles that you can repeat to yourself over and over and over again and not, and not let those things go. And no one's going to be perfectly consistent. Um, and it is interesting, you know, those restraints that you put on, on children, it's um, I think today we still have kind of the residue of that old romantic uh, view of the innocence of children and nature. <laughs> and, you know, it's society, you know, Rousseau, the society has come and corrupted the children. And, but when, a, you know, it's not the only role of the parent, but the role of the parent is to civilize the child because children are not civilized. Mm. They're little barbarians. Um, and certainly, we're to, to evangelize. <laughs> we're going to get
0: emails now. You know, <laughs> you know I mean, my
1: my one year old basically says bar bar bar, so so he's literally a barbarian. Um, but you know, we're we're to evangelize our children. We're to disciple our children. We're to protect our children, but we're also to civilize them as well. And so that's where the boundaries, placing those boundaries on them, comes up. Mm, that's good.
2: Well, and even as adults. I mean, the reality is, us living within our God given boundaries is that place of safety and blessing that we always talk to our children about. And
1: mm.
2: and right, I mean, the idea that you know our, our culture has this idea that any boundary is bad by definition, you know, that's that's just absolutely false. Mm-hmm. And, and we are we do well to live within some boundaries. Yeah, uh, and you know, teaching our children that early on is helpful.
0: Amen. Uh, talk to us about the blessings that uh, you are enjoying have enjoyed you know at this stage of your journey as parents I mean you've invested a lot of years 29 years plus but 29 for your oldest child in uh, figuring it out trying failing getting up starting again and uh, continuing on a path that you see God's prescribed in his word what are some blessings that have come to you at this stage of your parenting lives
3: Um, I've just enjoyed all of it. Not that there weren't hard days, but I am so grateful to the Lord for having these 29 years. They've been um, a greater joy than I could have imagined. I love the relationship we have with each of our children right now. Um, It's it's amazing to see your adult children um, love the Lord, love their spouse, um, serve sacrificially in the church. um, And a lot of those things we tried to proactively teach some things, but there's other things we didn't think to teach and they caught or the Lord just worked that in their hearts. Um, it's, it's also wonderfully gratifying that we're called to be faithful, but the results are in his hands and, um, there's, you know, graces worked into their hearts that we didn't do. And it's just really refreshing to realize that we have our, we're called to be faithful, but it's, it's really his work and it's, it's, a relief it's comforting because he is their Heavenly Father if they have professed Christ and uh, it's we're we're just doing our part
0: amen amen. Yeah, it is all grace. And you know, it's amazing whenever you see God's grace work in just the ways you described. Uh, there are means that he gives us, and we are to be faithful in exercising those means in trying to uh, bring our children and other people to faith in Christ. Looking back, and even now with your younger ones, what, what would you say are some of the principal means of grace that you guys have uh, observed, recognized? and have tried to keep your hand to the plow in seeing those means consistently uh, operate in your home. What what would you say to a young couple that says, Hey man, what what should we do? So
2: I, I um, I think one of them is actually not explicitly in the home, but is having a very vital active involvement in a local church where you have other believers that you're interacting with and maybe you bring them into your home sometimes, but, but having your children recognize, this is something bigger than just mom and dad. Mm -hmm. You know, there's something here that is worth living my life for Mm -hmm. uh, that is, that is serious and significant. And so I think, I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's been a big Mm -hmm. thing and we've loved to see our children develop relationships with others in the church that are encouraging to them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that sort of, Come alongside us as parents, and so I think you know Mm -hmm. that that's one big area. You know, of course, I I think today even more than in the past, the need to teach your children not just of this what the scriptures say, but to sort of truly hold the scriptures up as being what God has said and being authoritative and not just a suggestion. Um, You know, they're not going to absorb that, especially with our culture completely against that concept. And so just having, having sort of the family go to the Bible regularly and in whatever form that is, I mean, I think it changes over time, you know, you can get too prescriptive and say, this is exactly how you must do family devotions, Mm -hmm. but to still have your children grow up in an environment where the scriptures are a part of life, I think Mm -hmm. in, in many different ways. Yeah.
3: And something we found thankfully by God's grace early on is that children can memorize scripture yeah. so much better than we can. <laughs> and uh, it started as just a surprise. Let's see if we can surprise daddy by memorizing Psalm 103. Mm-hmm. And I think we had a, maybe a five-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. So, mm-hmm. you know, and they did it and they enjoyed it. And then that just was the beginning of a, okay, how many other chapters can we memorize as a family? And it's, it's the kind of, uh, steady faithfulness. You know, we kind of would work on one verse a day, maybe one verse over three days, but you go through 29 years of life together and you have an incredible wealth of scripture that's easy to recall. And that's one thing our adult children have mentioned several times. I'm really thankful to have that, this and that memorized. It's really been a blessing.
0: Yeah, that's great. The scripture in your home, um, your life built around a church that is a, a healthy church. Uh, those are huge. Those are huge. I, I remember and still have to keep this in my mind. In uh, raising our kids, thinking about that task of parenting, it dawned on me one day that we really only have two choices. We can either learn to be perfect. Or we can learn to repent and go back to the <laughs> yeah. scriptures and trust Christ and get up and start over, and and the Word guides us that way. And the Gospel sets us free to do that. I mean, we do have a Savior, so parents don't ever have to feel condemned beyond hope. Uh, there there is no condemnation in Christ, and so where we confront our lack or our our having gone overboard in some areas, we can come back to Christ, deal with that the way we deal with sin in any area of our lives, and get up and start over. And John, I appreciate what you said earlier about going to your kids and just saying, hey, you know, we've kind of let some things go here, or we realized the last few months we should have been doing this or shouldn't have been doing that, and seeking their forgiveness and acknowledging to them that you're, by God's grace, repenting and starting over. I think that is so massively important Mm -hmm. for parents, learning not to be fearful of repenting and just being so confident in Christ, growing in our confidence in Christ, that we increasingly become quick repenters. Mm-hmm. You know, and I can say it as as a parent looking back, you know, because I'm out of those deep weeds right now. Uh, but it's true for every area of life. It's not some new gig that you come up with for parenting. It's just what is the basics of the Christian life? and now Okay, how do I apply it to raising little ones and uh, helping them get a good launch?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that sometimes for parents, especially uh, parents of young ones, uh, we recognize the stakes are so high in those first, you know, seven to 10 years in terms of preparing them for the future. And if there's areas where we've messed up, um, it's really difficult to acknowledge mm. your your inconsistencies or your sin or the way that you've messed up. Because if you really have messed up, well, then you've just messed up your child, Yeah, you know? And so, so I think that that, that puts up a barrier for a lot of parents from repenting because if, if they acknowledge that they've messed up so badly, I mean, look what they've just messed up. Yep. Um, yeah. and so we need to not be afraid of acknowledging our sin in that. And then th- that's the only way forward. That's yeah. the only way forward. That's the only way, um, that the Lord can take and redeem that situation is, is through repentance.
0: Yeah. Amen. And-,
1: and this is where the
2: heart of the gospel really comes in when we're parenting our children is that, you know, our role as parents relative to our children is not that we are the ones who have our act together and you need to get your act together. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The role is I am a fellow sinner with Mm -hmm. you. I struggle with different things than you. And God has given me a role of authority that you need to follow. But, but when you struggle, you know, I at the heart probably have the same kind of struggles, you know, the child not wanting to put their toys away Mm -hmm. because that's just not what they want to do right now. Well, guess what? You know, as an adult, there's things that I, I procrastinate and don't do it's, it's almost the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we have that, that, that kind of a mindset, then the gospel can be part of parenting and the gospel is not be a good enough person. Yeah. The gospel is we are sinners in need of grace and we need to look to Christ. And so, yeah, having that just be kind of the mindset is super helpful.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, you've got eight kids and we've got six and, um, have you ever, well, first of all, your grandparents. So have you had any of your kids watch you with your grandparents and say, who are you and what happened to mom and dad? <laughs> <laughs> I've had that said to me a few times, you know, what What happened to you? You know, we we don't remember this. And there's a difference between dealing with grandkids and dealing with children, and God, I think, designed it that way. But if you also, uh, Don and I have discovered you can't raise the, the sixth one the way you raised the first one. Mm-hmm. Have y'all discovered that?
3: Well, they're all individuals and so there's this concept that we have to be fair and equitable and yes but each one needs what they need which mm-hmm. is different um what first thessalonians five i'm trying to remember the um encourage the faint-hearted help yeah. the weak be patient with everyone yeah. um you know, I feel like you have children who can be all of these different things at any one time, fainthearted, Mm -hmm. weak, maybe they need admonishing. And so you sort of are responsible to give them what they need for their spiritual well-being, which might be different depending on which child you're dealing with.
2: Now, there certainly is an age order factor, right? Because our oldest, when she was 14 years old, Um, you know, had a bunch of younger siblings and what our family looked like at that point is extremely different now than what our 14 year old who's the youngest in the family is experiencing where everybody's older, we're going and doing all kinds of university related events. They're coming with us on trips. And so it's very different. Um, Mm -hmm. But, and so, yeah, what you're saying is is very true.
0: Yeah. It's been fun uh, to watch that. And and Don and I've looked back recently and We've tried to pinpoint. We can't remember exactly. But there was a time when uh, our kids started going to bed later than we did. And and that changed oh, yeah. the dynamics, too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, But, yeah, some of our older kids, we joke about it. They'll say, man, said, you know, Hannah, Hannah's got to do things that we never got to do. And why yeah, is yeah, Hannah talking you know. like that? She talks like a teenager. She's only nine we said, well, we didn't teach her to talk like that. You know, maybe her teenager siblings did, but uh, so anyway. But that's that's really good. the The principles don't change, and the Word of God doesn't change. But the dynamics of the family uh, do change, and trusting those means of grace and applying them to the best of our abilities through those changing uh, dynamics can be a, a challenge. But it's the same same thing as you articulated so well, John. It's taking the basics of the gospel and just continuing to apply it. So, what encouragement would you give to um, a young couple that's newly married and uh, they're just not sure about kids? We we sometimes hear this today of you know I don't know if I want to bring kids into the world. I'm not sure we can afford kids. I'm not sure that you know we can do what needs to be done for kids. What encouragements would you say uh, to uh, uh, a couple in that situation?
2: Uh, Wow, there's a lot I think that that could be said. Um, let me start and you can okay. pick up. So one of the things is, I mean, God has said that children are a blessing from the Lord and I don't think that's a theory. Mm. I mean, children are a blessing in many ways. They, they can be a lot of work. So if you define blessing in my life is saving me work, mm. sure. And maybe children don't make sense, but that's not the way God, you know, has designed things. Uh, you know, they are, they sanctify us. Mm -hmm. They, they sort of bring us into a sphere of self-sacrifice that helps us to, to sort of recognize, wow, you know, I, I need to grow in that area. They, they help grow us. They are able to do things that we cannot. Mm -hmm. Uh, They bring great joy to us and to other people. Um, I'll let you continue.
3: Yeah. I think part of the problem with uh, the way our culture can view children is that they are purely consumers Mm -hmm. and I can't bring a consumer into my home but while the first five years of parenting are very much where you are doing most physical things for them um that balance shifts and after you know after we say after five is sort of like increasing gain my my uh father-in-law used to say, wow, for your family, one year goes by and you increase by eight man years of capability. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's really amazing how your children have giftings that you don't have and strengths that you don't have. And it doesn't take very long before you can see your children serving and blessing others in ways that you could never do yourself. So it's, in a sense, it's multiplying your ability to bless and serve others by having children. You know, you could, we were overwhelmed as anyone is when everybody was under five, Mm -hmm. but as, as it didn't take too many years, you know, say another five years where the 10 year old could be cooking a meal for a neighbor and the eight year old could be, there's all sorts of things they could be doing. Not that I want to emphasize the work that they can do, but again, work is a, is a pre fall good thing. And, um, it's, it's a huge blessing to have a house full of gifted gift, diversely gifted people using their gifts to serve and love others. Yeah
0: amen well said well said well John Cindy thank you so much for your time today uh, and again thank you for writing this book purposeful and persistent parenting it's published by our friends at Grace. F- grace press so we'll put a link uh, with this episode of the sword and trial so that you can easily find the book we highly recommend it and are delighted that uh, you have taken time to be with us today and talk about this vitally important subject so let me encourage you if you've watched this listened to this and you found it helpful send it out to other parents or to young parents or prospective parents so that they can be challenged and helped to think rightly biblically about this wonderful god-given calling of raising children in the nurture and admonition of the lord so thanks again for joining us today thank you
3: thanks so much for having us